0: My name is Utkash. I'm a college student and undergraduate researcher, and you're listening to The Engineering Talk, the bi-weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and productivity in an engineer's life. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to The Engineering Talk Show. And today we have Sam Brown with us, my really good friend and my classmate. Uh, Sam is studying electrical engineering at University of South Florida. Tampa campus and currently Sam is in UK amid all these COVID restrictions. So Sam, how's your week going?
1: Hello, Kosh. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, uh, I'm in the UK right now and of course you're in America. So I've spent the past year learning online with distance learning. It's been quite challenging, but I think I finally got used to it, just as we're about to go back come fall semester.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. I think that's what our today's discussion will be uh, going to be about. But uh, tell me, how, how's the COVID uh, in UK, Sam? And how's the government is taking in charge of all these COVID restrictions and all the vaccine distribution that's going on?
1: Sam, um, well, we've vaccinated above 50% of the population in the UK now so they're starting to develop herd immunity. Um, I think a lot of other places are still struggling so they've done very well in that respect but where I live in my, (coughs) on my island rather, on the Isle of Man, we are still in a lockdown right now like the rest of Europe and that's just precautionary which Mm -hmm. May be considered extreme in some parts of the world right now, but I think it's better to be safe than sorry. So we've been in a lockdown and haven't had a case for the past twenty-one days. So coming this Monday, we're due to finish this lockdown, and I think it will mm-hmm. be the last time.
0: Yeah, so. that's actually a pretty good uh, thing because just for a background to the audience, Sam's Island, Isle of Man didn't have a single case. I think during the whole summer, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the cases when in I'm in Florida. If you guys if I didn't, never introduced it to you. And cases in Florida were really, really high, especially towards the end of the summer and start of the fall. And I used to call, I called Sam and Sam usually always be like, we don't have a single case here in our island. <laughs> and I used to be very jealous of it, but uh, I think things are running out good for the vaccine, especially in Tampa. Um, I think in Florida as a whole, uh, Governor DeSantis, he issued an order where everyone over the age of 18, can get uh, get the vaccines uh, after 5th April. And even our campus student health center is providing vaccines now.
1: So Yeah, exactly. Well, you got vaccinated now. Yeah. All my relatives have been vaccinated. I'm just waiting to be vaccinated myself, and then I'll be back in the fall.
0: Yes, that's, that's the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, meeting Sam again, because last time we met, it was, I think... I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was March 17th of 2020. Yeah, I think so. Yes. we went on this uh, cool breakfast, and we were in. We were happy about the spring break, just because we'll have more time to study digital logics together. But then, uh, it just went downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we are sitting. In, <laughs> we are sitting on in April. Actually, mid-April now. It's it's more been over bit. a year. Yeah, it's been over a year. It's actually one month plus a year over that day. So, yes. So, given that background, and I hope everything's all right over there. We're moving towards today's topic, which is basically navigating our way, or or I should say, it's a reflection of studying engineering in the times of remote learning, since uh, we have a very diverse perspective on this, especially Sam taking all the classes uh, from UK being asynchronous uh, on all these, I think, past two semesters, and in total, I think, over 12 courses. Uh, So Sam has a very vivid perspective on how teachers handle the classes, and professors uh, manage to navigate their way to give us different concepts and... um, we will actually discuss more in detail about this as we go on through our uh, today's session. But so, Sam, if you would like to take some minute and try to just generally, broadly uh, reflect how, how was it for you to go back in the middle of a huge semester? For us, it was a huge semester because I think we were taking exactly the same courses and it was right. the middle of the March. And which is basically the spring break and spring break is actually spring break marks the marks the middle of the spring semester and in the middle of the semester, you have to go back to UK, which has I think like a five or six hours of time difference from here.
1: Yeah, a five hour time difference. Yeah, so
0: mm-hmm. we
1: have been at, uh distance learning all over the spring. There was actually mm-hmm. an occasion where we had the daylight saving hours and the clocks changed to a four hour time difference, which made things <laughs> even more difficult for most
0: scheduling classes. Yeah, so having, having facing all those difficulties, Sam is one of the students that has um, really faced it firsthand. So Sam, would you like to give us some ideas and your, your basic experience, how it was like to change your, uh, all the habits and you know everything from scratch. You have to set up your own desktop and how, how basically those things panned out yeah, for you.
1: Sure. Well, I, as we said, I left in March. So March of 2020, just for reference, it's uh, April 2021. So Mm -hmm. I had my first full online semester in fall, and Ukash and I were taking very similar classes then. But it was certainly a lot harder with the time difference because, you know, I had to schedule classes. I'd have some lessons at, like, 9 till 10 o'clock at night. I purposefully picked lessons out of my way so I wouldn't have to do a lesson when I was in bed, of course, because that would be problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, But that semester, the fall semester, was quite hard, and I think it was quite hard for everybody. We had a little taste of it in the spring last year when we were Mm -hmm. transitioning to online, but to do an entire semester online from start to finish, it was quite grueling. Mm -hmm. And and I think a lot of people who were in that same position can attest to that. But especially in engineering, it was quite difficult because I I think it's fair to say that most people regard engineering as one of the most uh, rigorous of professions, especially in academia. So we had a, we had quite a workload to do anyway, but on top of that, you had the chaos of online classes and scheduling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes calls dropping out. Sometimes, mm-hmm. in my case, you have different time zones, mm-hmm. five-hour time difference. Um, you know, you couldn't speak to other people in your class as well, really, or not that you couldn't speak to them, but your interactions with them were much less likely. You know, it's much harder to meet people naturally. You really have to go out your way to meet people. Yeah. Unless of course, Mm -hmm. you're still gonna bump into them on campus if you're doing half your lessons online. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ukash can probably attest to that because that was his experience. But for Mm me, I really haven't spoke to anybody at our university that I know of besides Ukash for the past year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which
1: is quite strange really.
0: Which <laughs> is quite strange. Yeah. But these are the COVID times and I think um it all kind of came us came to us with a big part of learning, I would say. Uh yeah. I would say it was the same for me in the fall, because in the fall we didn't had vaccines, things were very uncertain. So even though the campus was open, it was just open for the sake of being open, if, you, if yeah. that makes any sense. Uh, all the all the dining halls were really, really restricted. All the food courts were restricted. You cannot really go and hang out with someone. I think even at Marshall Student Center, so for those of you guys who don't know MSC, it's the student center at on the Tampa campus uh, of University of South Florida and uh, even in the student center and that's where you have a lot of food courts and you know chick fil a and stuff so if you go there and you're eating there there would be people and actually the volunteers at msc who would come and ask you to put up your mask even between your bites so for say if you take a bite of burger and you're going to take a sip of whatever drink you have then they will ask and you're just chewing right they would ask you to put your mask off in that time as well so that's like the level of uh, strictness that us have applied i'm really happy that they did that that's kind of like one of the reasons why they were try why they're able to you know avoid the spread of covid but then again students are students we all have teen blood and they you know they were there were things happening on campus and especially all these frats and sorts. they were having all those parties which was quite scary not going to lie But uh, as long as the classes are considered, even though, even for my classes, I was at home for most of the time. I used to go to the engineering building just to sit there and just, you know, try to see some people around. And that, that actually helped me as a motivator. But uh, at the end of the day, it's for fall, it was just like that. And uh, especially going for the way that uh, the online things worked for fall semester. It was very, very, uh, you know, in a rush. Professors didn't know how to set things up. They were struggling with the assignments. They couldn't bring everything together or even, I think I found this one problem with few really old professors as they're not very used to the technology. They couldn't able to deliver anything. Uh, I mean, not, I would say not anything, but like to say, 50% of what they would have delivered in in in-person setting, you know, especially in say, in math department. Uh, I don't know if that's with all the other universities, but especially the engineering part of the math department at USF consists of a lot of really old and experienced professors. So although we love to go them in person because they're really experienced, they share their wisdom and they're pretty fun to be around. But as the things turned to online, they were all really, you know, kind of rusty (laughs) if, if, if yeah. being not offensive, but um, they were trying to cope with the technology. So
1: I think yeah. this is something that universities need to consider in the future because it just goes to show you how important it is to have an, a technologically competent faculty.
0: Yeah, I mean, they had, I I actually worked for USF in one of the semesters where I was working as a research assistant, and they had this one quiz against, I think it was um, mental health awareness. I believe there should be more initiatives that goes along the lines of, you know, having technological awareness, though it sounds pretty, uh, you know, pretty s- strange and weird to hear, like, you know, what do you mean by technological yeah. awareness?
1: It might sound trivial initially, but. Once you're sat there in class and you've found that 30 minutes of your an hour and 15 minute lesson has gone towards just trying to set up the call, True. then you start to realise that this is something that's quite important, especially when teachers yeah. need to quickly transition to an online setting.
0: Yeah, especially I think Canvas and all these uh, different, you know, the the back the backbone uh, academic apps they should have more you know technologically. Ad- you know, technological lessons and how to navigate through that. I think they do to some extent, but you know, there, there is, there has to be a mandate thing to do, even though a lot of professors and even like, you know, a lot of old people that are not really technologically advanced they ended up learning about things. Jokingly,
1: somebody said uh in my class the other day that I can now put Microsoft teams on my CV, but I think (laughs) it is. It's very true. true now, isn't it?
0: True, true, true. That's actually a pretty good point to make up. You know what? What's yeah. you know what? What did you? Do? Oh, you know what? I did Microsoft Teams over the year. Now I have like a year. I have a year long professional experience on Microsoft Teams. I can set up calls. I can put up calendars. I can Microsoft suit is like not complete. Yeah. <laughs> true. Just so to sort yeah,
1: sort of summarise our four semesters there. Though I think what you can say about both of our experiences in the fall semester is they translate to our cons idea of what is hard about remote learning and as we move on to talk about the spring semester of 2021, you can see the pros start to feed in as we started to adjust as students as well, just as well as the teachers managed to adjust. Yes,
0: definitely. You know,
1: into that, you know, we can talk about the fall semester. That really represents everything that we struggled with with online learning. But when we got to the spring, we started to really iron out all of those creases. We started to get a hold on things much better.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. That's actually that's a really good way to put it all together. For the fall semester, it was like you know going through the hard way, learning how. Uh, different things work especially knowing yourself better i would say that was the part so a lot of cons of remote learning actually showed you know all, actually all came up from the fall semester but as we moved to the spring semester the things started to become quite normal we were like okay you know what if a teacher or if a person has their microphone on for 20 minutes while the professor is lecturing it's fine there has to be that thing will be occurring or if someone is being super notorious in the class and trying to mute the professor off as someone did in Frick, uh, Dr. Farkadis's like lecture. That. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's going to happen. No need to get, you know, annoyed on those things. So those are just really, really small factors that became normalized to us among a lot of other. Um, so we'll eventually be discussing about them over the later part of the section of uh, this session or this episode. But, um, let's, let's think about the testing. Actually, Sam, I, um, I had this, uh, I was just kind of thinking about this idea before we actually came on air and started talking about it. How do you feel about remote testing and all the test taking situation? Like, do you feel that, uh, it is comparable to sitting in a classroom with a physical proctor or is it okay? Or is it comparable to sitting at home using any, um, you know monitoring software like proctorio or uh, yeah. any remote proctor and taking the test while you literally can have all your notes sitting on your lap so what do you think what are what are the ideas what are your thoughts on online test taking
1: when you use something like proctorio i know a lot of students are against that and i can understand why there's a lot of data privacy repercussions on that topic but For me, from a purely test-taking and academic perspective, I thought it worked very well. Um, I thought it was a good way of discouraging cheating, certainly, but I can't attest to that wholeheartedly because I'm sure some people found ways around it, as they always do. That's true. I feel like a lot of people got discouraged by cheating, but certainly when Proctorio wasn't present, you had a lot of people that were not going to learn anything sheerly through lack of effort because they felt like they could just cheat on the exams True. and you know I'm obviously not going to call out anybody but Mm -hmm. I think all of us know people who have done that you know it's for people that don't cheat Mm -hmm. it really impacts the way they want to perform in that class because what happens is the people who are cheating they're going to bring up the grade average in the class so people who ethically don't condone cheating and won't do it Mm -hmm. it it makes it much harder for them to pass the course because now everybody else is getting 100s and you're going to really struggle to keep up in the course if they move or curve the grades for what constitutes an A or a B. True, That makes it really difficult for students who want to academically succeed, honestly.
0: Yeah. Honestly, not saying this, not quoting anyone on the air, but I was talking to this one professor in our department and we were just, you know, uh, we've had talked about uh, different things before even the pandemic. So we have a good mutual understanding. And I was just telling him about how uh, this x y z professor in our department is not procuring his tests, and mm-hmm. uh, i was like i don 't like to look into you know cheating notes or whatever it is you know all those un uh, you know unethical ways of giving a test, but since everyone else is getting a ninety five or above if i don 't take it, I think there was a kind of quantum uh, quantum mechanics based class so like if you don 't take on your notes and if you just give the test solely based on yourself. You can easily miss one question which is worth like 10 points or five points and you can drop way below the average and yeah. uh, i was just discussing this thing with him and he had to say this one thing he was like well try your best to understand the stuff but if everyone else has some uh, advantage or you know some uh, is that they have a biased advantage over you try to get into the boat of that biased advantage because if everyone else is doing this Uh, I think the thing that he quoted was unfair advantage. So it's like if someone else has an unfair advantage or if like majority of the students are going with the unfair advantage, you better go with that because at the end of the day, if you're learning, there's, there's a huge difference between a company trying to hire you based upon your grades, the initial screening and looking and knowing what you actually know. So he had this one uh, side advice. He just said like, you know, just don't quote uh, me on this, but, if everyone else is using, try your best to learn it. But if it's on the test zone, just actually go ahead and uh, do whatever everyone else is doing. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you end up having at like say ninety, say eighty-five, and everyone else is up say at ninety-seven, which is what is happening in my differential equation class right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor is not going to curve anything because he sees the class average is already at 97. If if he tries to curve it, everyone will be at a hundred and you will barely get over 85. So I actually like his advice on that one, honestly. And you see it
1: presents another problem because to staff members, to professors, it sends the message. that There's nothing wrong with their current format. That Well, they must be teaching very well and students must be absorbing the information very well because everybody's getting a great grade now that's clearly just not the case and anybody that puts any ounce of thought into it is going to see past that That is something that's just detrimental to university and academia as a whole because what you're now doing is you're letting people who are not experienced enough or educated enough to advance in classes which they know yeah. nothing about. And True. I often hear the argument from employers that I'd much rather take somebody with a 2.7 GPA with lots of practical experience over somebody with a 4.0 and I True. definitely agree with that but yep. there's a similar analogy here which is if somebody is you know getting an A plus In a class Mm
2: -hmm. they
1: still don't know anything about that class it's very analogous to that same person that gets the the 4.0 on their certificate Mm -hmm. on their diploma and they don't know anything but it doesn't matter because as you said in the initial screenings of job search Mm -hmm. employers who are hiring you know one position hundreds of people have applied true i know in the uk at least it's Mm -hmm. typically one job per 600 people that's the competition so if your employer has to look at 600 cvs he's -hmm. not going to bother emailing you and saying how well do you know your stuff in this particular class true that makes sense
0: yeah definitely
1: i mean so that's my experience and and my opinion on the testing format i think you have to have a way of proctoring students Or making sure that they're not cheating you have to disincentivize it if you want to have a profitable and and successful academic institution and certainly our university at USF that's exactly what we're aspiring to be Mm -hmm. I can see that it's often coming on the rankings in Florida and in the country as a whole Mm -hmm. and you would expect that that would be the status quo that Mm -hmm. everybody would get on board for the benefit of the university reputation as a whole but I'm sure that there's even higher ranked universities that are still adopting this policy of just we're not Mm -hmm. going to to proctor anything yeah and as a result what you'll have is many people who are coming through their graduation Mm -hmm. and they're graduating from these institutions and they're not representing the quality of the institution correctly and proportionately yeah Yeah. they don't have the required experience
0: yeah, I think there with the proctoring, it's the the proctoring process should be changed a bit for the good. I believe uh, there there should be more ways of uh, testing out if the student really learned your process or the or learned your teaching material rather than trying to really scrutinize the way of test taking. Like I take this one course called uh, Electronic Systems One, so it is basically like a Uh, course that uh, everyone, almost everyone in the College of Engineering has to take because it is Introduction to Electronics. And uh, the professor in there, uh, he is really strict about all unethical things because he's also the head of department for uh, Electrical Engineering Department. And his quizzes and uh, his tests are very much, you know, very strict on the proctoring side. You you really cannot have anything moving in your background. You cannot have a certain... uh, you know, a noise level above certain decibels. So that that is good. I mean, I'm not trying to say that he's not doing the right way, but there's another course that I'm taking, which is with Dr. Ashwin and uh, um, his name, uh, his teaching electromagnetism course, and his his tests are not proctored. But at the end of the day, the people scoring good on his test are honestly and generally the people who learn the topic and who, who know the topic quite thoroughly. Because the way that he puts up his uh, tests and the way that he uh, has put it up, his uh, assignments and every component of the course is so well balanced that the only people who are learning well in it can score good in it. Yeah, That's like one of the things that I really, really like about that course. So anyways, I think that those, those actually made up for a good discussion on the test topics. Now, why don't we kind of move towards what in our thoughts are, pros and you know the, the cliche pros pros and cons of anything that's what people like to do every time they hold the mic so why not why not us so <laughs> let's 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 start with um what do you think are the kind of major cons of having you know studying engineering in the remote learning um and the remote learning era or the i hope it's not an era it's probably like a year of remote learning but what do you think is the, in the realm of remote learning um What what are are the major cons, uh, especially studying engineering?
1: As I said earlier, I think our fall semesters were very representative of the disadvantages of learning online. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we had uh, no social interaction with other students. And one of the biggest uh, advantages you hear from others of going to university is I want that university experience, you know, whatever that means but yeah. typically I imagine people are meaning, you know socializing with others getting yeah. to make connections yeah. um etc etc you know meeting people who are like-minded and participating in clubs mm-hmm. um that's not to say that these things aren't going on and I'm sure you know there'll be some people out there that will say well mm-hmm. you know we have virtual meetings still but <laughs> yeah you know I think I speak for the majority of people when we say you know True. we're not interested in sitting a virtual meeting when you can't actually meet in person and, and contribute to anything yeah there's no competitions happening in clubs True. really True. you know not that I'm aware of at least there's just uh-huh. social gatherings and yeah I think it's good that people are still trying to keep up that enthusiasm but I, I'm yeah. sure it's understandable to say that People struggle to keep up their enthusiasm for clubs when they've been online for a year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, because every day it's, uh, I think what in person, what we're really missing from being in, uh, from not being in person is, uh, you know, having that, 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 you know, that component of, personal warmth that you feel Mm -hmm. when you meet with someone in person you know when you're meeting with someone they have their hand expressions they have facial expression the way they position their shoulders and a lot of different things like I was talking to Simone about this the other day and Simone uh, she's a she's a friend of ours and she was she knows ASL right so ASL is basically you know the sign languages and in that a lot of things are guided by the way you position your body like if you're if you're tilted at like say a 45 degree angle or i mean correct me if i'm wrong or something but i don't really remember but i do remember this component that if you're if you're turning your shoulder at certain um angles it means past present and future and she was telling me how it's really really difficult if you do it on zoom calls because you cannot see the entirety of a person's body you can just see like mm-hmm. barely neck up uh, to the to the the head, right? And you cannot really show how your shoulder is facing or how your hand Mm -hmm. gestures are doing or what your waist is doing. So, and I really Mm -hmm. think about that, that really goes with in-person things like, um, you know, talking to someone outside the classroom. If you're just talking to someone, you know, trying to explain them how you struggled on the assignment last night, it's really difficult if you're trying to go online and you're trying to pick up things like, you know, well, I was not able to do it. Or if you're just chatting with someone, that expression, you know, that that warmth of, uh, that you know, the the I would say that warmth is probably the best way to put it all together. You know, you have this one uh, aspect and component of you know in-person meeting that we really really miss in uh, online communication. So I believe that's like one of the real big cons in studying engineering, especially being a field where which is very. Um, communication intensive. I actually didn't do this before COVID and all the remote learning, but I actually kind of learned this the hard way that engineering is about working together rather than working alone. You know, you have to have friend groups who can think about
1: Or essential for anybody who's currently going to university. They're essential because it's, it's wisdom of the masses, isn't it? Two minds Mm -hmm. are better than one play about it but it's true yeah. you know true. some people may be well versed in parts of the subject that you're not and conversely mm-hmm. you might be able to help them in other aspects yeah and um, just uh, a point about what you were saying about mm-hmm. um, when you're in lessons
2: mm-hmm. I
1: think I'm guilty of this and I'm sure you are as well mm-hmm. but when you're in a lesson it's it's very easy to just sit with your camera off
2: mm-hmm. and i think
1: you know if we ever had to go online for whatever reason again it mm-hmm. would be smart on the university's behalf to make it mandatory to have the cameras on <laughs> because true. when That's you're true. sat there like you it's so easy to have no accountability to pay attention true true but if you've got other people watching you like right i've got to pay attention now it's like being <laughs> sat of the class.
0: Yeah, I can I can actually point out to like literally two people or three people among like a hundred people class that are really paying attention all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, because no, it's like a yes, I Yeah, sorry, go ahead. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That The people who are abnormal and unusual in today's like learning environment is the ones that sit with their camera on and are all the sociable ones. <laughs> whereas we're the other one hundred people are the unsociable ones and that's
0: <laughs> normal. <laughs> I know. True. That's for sure. That's for sure. Mate. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Because, yeah, I really miss that in-person section. Even if you're sleeping in an in-person session, professor will point you out on something. Like I yeah. think one time I was in this last spring, spring twenty twenty, when. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was actually sleeping. And <laughs> because I actually started going to gym in the morning or pool in the morning. And the class was at like 10am. And I just showed up in like my wet hair because I just came out of the shower from the pool. And I was sitting in the class and it was so cool and comfy that I eventually ended up like slipping into a bit of nap. And after the class, Dr. Castellanos came to me and he was like, I saw you sleeping. You, I didn't want to disturb <laughs> you in the sleep. But you're having a good sleep right there. I was like, Oh, oh, <laughs> Yes, I, mean, yes yeah. I had one
1: of my friends that sat next to me in a general physics course <laughs> a year ago or whatever. Yeah. He fell asleep right next to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't we have yeah, a video I of him, actually? Right yeah. that? Didn't we have a video of him? I think I did. I did. Saw I did. a video of him. Yeah. Miss out on, but he was just snoring right next to me. <laughs> all night playing his PC. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Engineering 101. Any high school student who's listening to this, we absolutely don't do this. I'm just telling you that this yeah. just happens. We this we don't have, we, this is not the culture not, at university in engineering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just happens sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. Back, back to one more point, since we're discussing about the cons, is about the virtual labs. Uh, I think we both took uh, at least two labs in our, or at least a lab in both of the past semesters. So, what do you think about virtual labs, Sam? What What are your thoughts on virtual labs? I mean, I know in one word you can say them they are trash, but let's just try to <laughs> uh, let's just try to, to justify our points on that.
1: Well, I only took I think I only took one virtual lab over the course of the past year, and mm-hmm. that was strategic on my behalf. I uh-huh. wasn't really put That's very smart. The after the first, yeah. Uh, and for a reference everybody if you ever have to do online classes or an online semester make sure you strategically pick your courses to be as easy as you can for that year yep within a tolerance
0: yeah sam has because a really good everywhere. idea in
1: that yep <laughs> so i had a virtual lab in fall mm-hmm. that's probably why it was one of the worst semesters <laughs> well yeah virtual labs are very difficult Uh, you can't really see the point in them because the purpose of a lab is to be practical and get practical experience but you're doing it online Mm -hmm. but hey we're trying to cope this is a pandemic after all Mm -hmm. well perhaps if you're listening to this in the future it was a pandemic yeah (laughs) hopefully don't don't make me jinx my own words. <laughs> <laughs> True.
0: Yeah. Add add yeah. Sam Brown Twitter handle. What did you say? <laughs> are we still in the panic? <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah. To continue, um, virtual labs are obviously very difficult, um, and I- I'm not sure what's the best way to go about them. With hindsight, I would just say don't pick them. To True. be perfectly honest, if that mm-hmm. were my advice to a friend or to the, an audience this podcast would be don't pick virtual labs if you can help it because mm-hmm. not only do you find out as an engineering student that virtual labs are one credit hours but they actually take up about four credit hours worth of work that's because true. you have lab reports that are due which usually take six hours a week true. and you're only meeting once a week but you have a lot of volume of work to do True. then you will have you know practicals to work on in our case those were circuits and what mm-hmm. have you let yes. take time to do especially if you're doing like digital circuits or anything on a breadboard if you've never touched a breadboard before and mm-hmm. um, then it's definitely not as easy as it looks,
0: true true I
1: guess someone experience do it because <laughs> you learn very quickly how fiddly those parts can be
0: oh uh, true, and especially like in 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 person like for me, even even me, who's literally like five minutes from the campus right now, every time I do uh you know every time especially you know being electrical engineers it's we we in our labs we work with electrical components especially in like sophomore year labs uh if any of your component is not working which is a very high chance of happening even for me it's very difficult to go to the department and ask them for a new component in this virtual setting because they have their virtual Rs and you have all these different stuff especially someone like you sam and who's in uk it's it's really difficult if you don't already know someone who is in the same field or if you already know a shop which does all those stuff so yeah, exactly. that's
1: and yeah just to add another point to that if you're mm-hmm. an international student and you're at home and you're learning online, you've got to bear in mind that you potentially may have to pay for your own lab resources because they're not yeah. going to be offered to you in person. Yeah. So, so if you're yeah. okay. learning online, you mm-hmm. can just walk in. Well, if you're near the university, you can just walk in and get them. But mm-hmm. if you're in another country like I was, then you're going to have to find your own way to get those parts.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we got issued the FPGA board, but they couldn't ship it to Sam for some reason. I don't know what the what exactly happened, but I think Sam has to buy like his own uh, yes. FPGA, which was like, I think, what, $200? 200 US dollars, I guess, yeah. at this point, so yes.
1: When you're taking a class, which already costs $575, you know, it's co- the resources for the class cost two-fifths of the total cost anyway. So now your class is, you know, $200 extra. Yeah. But I'm not that bitter about it because now Utkarsh and I have an FPGA to work with when I get back in uh, the fall of 2021. Yes,
0: yes, we are planning to work on the, we are actually kind of, I have this, uh, I have, uh, I have some background work on the Enigma board and we are trying to build the Enigma machine from World War II on that board. Uh, Updates will be follow up on this channel real quick. Soon, once we are done with it, yeah, but we have perhaps, some basic yeah. ideas. Yes. So, moving on to what you were. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think we've done quite a comprehensive view of the cons. Hmm. Um. If you're happy to, I'm happy to move on and talk about, you know, the pros of online learning. Yeah.
0: We've yeah. Be
1: this mm-hmm. argument, a lot of people will think there are no pros.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, just, just expanding upon what, what you just said uh, about you know spending time with the labs. One of the major things that I myself found uh, running into the issue is of spending time on learning things that I shouldn't be learning otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like if you start learning FPGA, there's like a million components on it. I mean, obviously not million, but I'm just exaggerating it. There are so many components on it that you can you can spend all your time in like a semester trying to learn what those components does and how do they work together but at the same time you don't really have to learn those things so yeah. that's like one exactly. of the things yeah sorry go ahead
1: exactly right you know yeah. you can uh, you've spoken to me about this earlier and yeah. you can certainly oversaturate your learning experience yeah when you pick a degree and when you go to university, the biggest advantage, in my opinion, that university offers you is scope and resources. Because anybody in this day and age can learn online. You can just go on the internet yeah. and look things up. But the true. biggest advantage from university today is they tell you what you need to know yes. and they give you the resources to do it. Because, true. of course, if you're learning by yourself, you don't know what you don't know. True, true. That and makes sense. Just to clarify on that. Yeah. Because it may sound a bit confusing. Yeah. You don't know things which haven't been taught to you. So how can you possibly have a feel for the scope of the subject that you're learning? Mm -hmm. You're, you know, if you're trying to learn about electromagnetics, you might learn the completely wrong thing that's what you're looking for. You know, if you've got mm-hmm. a specific goal in mind as a hobbyist or something like that, yep. you know, you're not going to want to go down the deep differential equations route just true. to be a hobbyist. True. You know? true.
0: Yeah. That, that makes sense. Actually, that's one of the major cons for me. Like if you have to pull me up and say like, you know, Tush, just pick up one of the biggest cons that you have for uh, remote learning, I would say that's the biggest con is lack of that uh, advice. Okay, I wouldn't say it's uh, it's like a complete lack, but lack of the, uh, you know major lack of the majority portion of that advice to advice of you know knowing what to learn. If that made any sense, they yeah. you know there's like a certain criteria of things that you have to learn but if if you're for, say you're in person and you're trying to learn something and you reach out to the professor saying, "Hey, you know what? I was trying to learn this uh Quinn McCloskey method to solve these kind of you know digital logics and teacher would say, Well, you know what you don't actually need to learn this actually gra- uh, we have a graduate school." You know, a course in the graduate school that I teach literally is for the same thing. You don't have to learn it in your undergrad. It's it's a waste of time unless you're really interested in learning that. It's it has nothing to do with the course. That is pretty easy to do in in-person mode rather than in the online mode because of friction to to ask that question in online mode is a lot. You have to draft an email. You have to put up your resources. You have to put up your ideas in it. You have to put book, in you know, a screenshot of the books in it and. And just to get an answer for that. So you know, it's it's I think it's from the Ali Abdal way of doing it. It's like you have to reduce the friction to 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 do to, to, to do something that you really want to do. It's like if there's a lot of friction for say even if you're managing a to-do list, and if there's a lot of friction to put up the ideas into it, you will probably never succeed following that to do list. So it's something similar with asking their professors about what to learn and what not to learn. If there's a lot of friction in it, yeah.
1: Go ahead. It's just an extra step like anything, you know, any essential um, habit exercises or journals that try to improve productivity will tell you that if you want to become more productive, remove less of the steps involved in what you're trying to get more productive at. And in our case, moving to online, everything gets more difficult. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep. Everything has more friction in it. So yeah, that's that's like my biggest con of uh learning in the in the remote learning. Now, well, talking more about cons, we we Sam and I we were discussing while we were planning for this podcast. Not actually planning, we literally had a phone call this morning, but it was more about thinking about, you know, having the pros of anything because uh every I think in, it's my personal belief that everything that happens in this universe on or in your personal world, I would say, quote unquotes. Um, everything has a negative, a downside, and also a positive side or the upside. So same goes with the digital learning, you know, the remote learning. We had a bunch of cons that we just have been talking about for past I don't know how many minutes now, but many, we many, have- many. Many 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 minutes, but then again, we have we have a lot of good pro- pros that I actually ended up realizing in the spring semester. Right now, USF and I think we are we are in the spring break, so it's actually a good time of a, of a, of the year to think about all you know to reflect on the pros that we have, and um, I think we turn we we have some good ideas to discuss on that, Sam. What do you think about it?
1: Yeah, well, just as you say. Wherever there's a disadvantage, there's always an advantage to somewhere or to someone or to something.
0: Mm-hmm. In the
1: case of being online with distance learning, um, I personally found that I really started to learn what the true experience of university was supposed to feel like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because when you're there in person, you're very susceptible to, you know, just consistently asking for help but then one day yeah. you've got to confront the truth that somebody might not be able to help you. And the only person that can help you is yourself. True. Um, True. So when learning online,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I really got into a habit and got organized and in, into very strictly learning all my subjects each day in like 30 minute chunks to, mm-hmm. to anybody listening. That's a really good strategy if you've got multiple tasks Mm -hmm. to just work 30 minutes on one. And then as soon as the 30 minutes are up, move Mm -hmm. on to the next task uh, come back to it later, just work in a cycle. Mm -hmm. But me learning online. Yeah. It really enabled me to, to, to learn about the experience of university,
2: which Mm -hmm. is
1: that when you turn up to class, that's just simply an introduction to the subject. Mm And, and a lot of people, have you know complaints about university professors that Mm -hmm. oh they're not great teachers and what have you and Mm -hmm. you know that may be true for some but you've got to remember they're trying to teach you a rigorous academic subject in an hour and 15 minutes
2: true
1: um i don't know how many lessons one might have in a week but Mm -hmm. you know in my case if i'm taking a three three credit course you know you have two lessons a week so you're doing three Mm -hmm. hours a week of in-person class and then yeah. the rest of the time is you go out and learn it yourself. And if yeah. you're not doing that, and that's hard to do because mm-hmm. it requires commitment. If you're not doing that, then you're not going to be good or, yeah. or experienced in your field quite simply. Certainly yeah, yeah, yeah. from a learning perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right what you say earlier, Ukash, about you can oversaturate what you're learning about if you learn on what you don't need to know. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes you can always delve deeper into the subject you're currently studying.
2: Mm-hmm. For
1: example, in my class in differential equations, um, anybody that's familiar with, you know, any form of calculus
2: mm-hmm.
1: knows that it's very difficult to read a mathematics textbook oftentimes things are just thrown at you in the text definitions or facts and you just have to take this for a fact just the other day i was learning more about laplace transforms and Mm -hmm. they immediately assume you know they just say take this for a fact that in the laplace equation Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or i think it's something else but in the definition of a laplace transform s is just there Mm -hmm. and in texts they will often assume things as just a fact but there's definitely a way you can go out of your way to learn about those things mm-hmm. and the more you do that the greater your intuition about that topic's going to be you know you're going to understand mm-hmm. it far more intricately for the exam and you're less susceptible yeah. to mistakes yep. so class is an introduction
2: mm-hmm.
1: go home in get an in-depth
2: comprehensive
1: mm-hmm. view of what you're studying in class don't Mm -hmm. go away and learn something completely unrelated Mm -hmm. learn what you're studying in class Mm -hmm. Um, and there's so many resources you can do that online obviously true
0: yeah honestly i would i would second your point of you know actually this online era of not era i would say online year of um you know this remote remote learning is actually actually taught me what the college life is, you know, what the college experience is this, you know, the big havoc around college experience, you know, I was just thinking about this while you were saying this, you know, what's the big havoc around college experience? Like, why is this a big thing? But if you think about it, college is a time for, for, let's say for male, you become a boy, you know, you, you become, you, you transition from a boy to a man. You know that's that's what college is. You know that's what that's what college experience is. You become a woman from a yeah. girl, right? This has so that
1: sense of maturity to it, and yeah, to to put it just poetically, uh-huh. university teaches you how to learn. You know, true. You Yeah, to university to
0: learn how to learn. Yep, yep. That's that's for sure. I mean, that maturity complex that comes in you know, from the university is basically what I say is the most value that comes out of university. And that's what the whole college experience is a big thing. And Mm -hmm. honestly, if anything could have taught us any way better than, you know, uh, about the terms of getting mature, you know, understanding yourself more is this pandemic, especially the remote learning. Because first, if I were on campus, I was bounded by all these classes that I had to go in. And I actually wouldn't have a lot of time to think about what i was doing but especially in this online mode four of my five classes literally have asynchronous um, mode Uh, you know asynchronous method of uh, course delivery so it literally has video so i have 24 hours in the day to myself now i have to figure out what works best for me so it's basically part of adulting it's the basic part of college experience knowing what works for you like i i I initially used to think that all-nighters work really good with me, and I can like you know pull up two all-nighters in a day and I can do all you know like in two days and do all my work and you know be like you know that shining star in the class, but it turns out it's not really sustainable over, say a month period of time. I cannot put up all, you know, two all-nighters every week for like a month. My body would degrade its health. So these are different things. And actually one of my friends, his name is uh, Ryan. He ended up learning that his body does really good with all-nighters. So now he's like pretty much determined to pull up all-nighters all in like every, every week at least so that he can just cover up all the stuff. He's really productive at night. So actually part of college uh, experience, as they say, is not just, you know, being socialized or, you know, meeting really good friends. It's it's okay. It is a part, but the gist of, uh, of college experience, what I would say is actually learning yourself more, learning what works with you and actually, you know, becoming an adult or, you know, yeah, yeah you know, exactly. getting your, yeah, yeah, taking responsibilities in your own hand of how to manage your definitely. time. It
1: definitely opens that door to you know, knowing your study habits. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I know that, you know, I'll get up at eight o'clock every day mm-hmm. on the drop, you know, get downstairs to my desk, play some guitar till 8.30, and then work for like four hours in the morning and then mm-hmm. do nothing midday because I don't like to work when I know... It depends on the day, of course. But, yeah. You know, typically... In the summer, you've got a nice, beautiful day. I don't want to be working inside during those hours. I want to take the dog for a walk and enjoy the sun. So I work during the morning, and then Mm -hmm. come midday, I have two or three hours to myself, and then I work for the rest of the evening as well. And for me, that works great because there's no incentive to get up from my desk and say, I want to be doing something else because I've Mm -hmm. allocated that spot of the day, which Mm -hmm. is most enjoyable to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually perfect. You know, you, you learn this about yourself and that's, I would say that is what college experience is. You know, you, you learn about yourself. That's like the best thing that you can get out of college. What, what I have known, you know, talking to different professors and professionals in the field, um, since I'm in the college, I'm going through it right now. I cannot comment on like my sole experience, but honestly, the amount of change I have um, had in myself in past whole year is combined twice or thrice more than 17 years of my life before coming to US and starting my college. I can tell you that for very Mm. sureness because that time I was dependent on my family. I didn't have to take you know care of different things. I don't have to you know worry about how my time is. A schedule is set. My mom would wake me up in the morning. Here it's like um, I have to have to take care of my food. I have to take care of you know um, all these different things. I have to make sure I'm up to date on classes. I'm not having you know accumulating 3,000 hours of online lectures. I'm up to date on my grades. Uh, you know I'm taking care of my physical health. Um, the language I started going to gym again in the spring break because uh, it's been due for a while i used i bike in the morning that's like one cardio thing but i was like i need to put up some muscle before i eventually head back home so why not why and not get to some uh, you know get try hitting the gym and spring break I'll was the right time
1: by the younger sibling when i get back now <laughs> yeah true so yeah, i think that's an yeah. important point mm-hmm. that you raised is mm-hmm. of course mental health and really that's the biggest con of all i know we're talking about pros mm-hmm. but we missed it cons mm-hmm. mental health suffers dramatically from being online yeah. and as a result you need to be incredibly aware of that and furthermore being online has helped me develop techniques to deal with that for when i get back in person yeah um, so, yeah mental health you know nobody mm-hmm. needs to be told how important that is True. Because we've all been depressed at one point or another. Yep. And the moment that happens, mm-hmm. productivity just drops to a zero. Yeah. You can't get anything done. So you need to make sure that you're exercising. Mm-hmm. I like to exercise daily, even if it's yeah. just going for a walk, because it breaks up the day. True, true. But if you, if you don't take care of your mm-hmm. mind, then everything else is bound to suffer. Yeah, So true. that's very, very important make sure yeah. you're scheduling time to spend time with friends spend time with family you know, yeah. you know just relaxing there needs to be that detachment in your life from work yeah else will get very overwhelmed very quickly
0: true true actually one of the pros that i figured out is basically to you know learn this habit of detaching from work since my work is literally at my home it's uh, I I used to get overwhelmed so easily during the fall semester like you know I'm just studying studying and then I'm even when I'm just you know uh, cooking food I'm literally thinking about work and it's it kind of is really draining unless someone actually it was I think you back in fall that you pointed out he was like are you taking enough breaks and I was like let me think on it again at that time I was on the call I was like yeah I think I'm taking breaks but then I was like let me think back again am I taking breaks And I realized actually, no, I'm not. So one of the pros is actually, you know, getting, you know, pros I learned was like, you know, to differentiate my work life from my break life, you know, the break, uh, the breakaway point where I'm like, you know, having time to myself. And I I eventually also helped me to solidify my relation with my, you know, family and people that really, you know, matter to me the most. That actually, that's like one of the, other pros that I would like to point us towards is, you know, having, having knowing the worth of uh, relations that you already have, you know, not chasing towards the new relation that you're trying to build. You're definitely, you are missing on those new relations that you can build with your friends and uh, classmates, but at the same time, you're having way more time to spend time with your uh, family and, you know, making more relations with them and, you know, strengthening those relations with them. So
1: I'm going to that is a huge pro of a pandemic you know people Uh often overlook the silver linings and things but during a pandemic on a lockdown you are forced to spend more time with your family yeah and that's a good thing because if you're a student at university
2: Mm -hmm. especially
1: when you're an international student at that university it's going to be quite some time before you see your family again so true true Forcing you into that situation is a big yep. pro you develop better relationships yeah. with your family. true that's
0: for sure, also like you know there are some other pros that I was just thinking about randomly was you know you you can have so many different meetings right one uh, one after the other like i I have a class that ends at say twelve fifteen p m and I have a meeting at twelve twenty it would have never been possible in the in-person world to actually manage these two together because wrapping up an in-person class takes at least five minutes. And once you leave that, it, it takes at least five to 10 minutes to get back to your room. Even if you're living on campus, to get back to your room and settle down in a mood to set up in a meeting. But here I'm literally sitting up in my, you know, I would wear my official clothes right before the meeting and help in the class. Once the class is done, I just have to press three buttons and I'll be in a second meeting with the person that I want to talk with. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the, I would say it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a pro it's not as important as, you know, the other pros that we discussed, of you know, knowing yourself more and understanding how your body works and, you know, adulting part of this pandemic and, you know, making relations, but it is one of the, you know, the side uh, pros that you can put up in the description and say, you know, this is, these are one of the pros that I believe happened with me personally. So yeah, you got any points to add on that? No, I think you've some mm-hmm.
1: good points there. I think we've covered yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, um, certainly the fact that you can just you know drop in and out of a call is very helpful, and you don't have to keep walking between classes. Which, yeah. for on a campus like ours, which is one of the biggest in the country, yeah. you know, it takes me 15 minutes when living on campus just to get True. to lecture. True, um, I'm sure that will sound ridiculous to complain about something if this is mm-hmm. an international podcast because there'll be somebody yeah. who will say yeah. well it takes me an hour <laughs> but yeah no. But when you live on campus you've got that commute that you have to compensate for but you don't have yeah. that on of course
0: true True. I mean, honestly, I was in this one of the conference, not conference, it was like one of the invited talks from MRS, which is like the Materials Research Society. And they had this one topic going on saying like, you know what, uh, are we being productive from home? And I was like, okay, well, there are all these drawbacks that come from being at home, you know, and not in the lab or not in the workplace working. But imagine about the time that you are saving from not commuting to to your workplace. Like... That is the biggest thing that I think Elon Musk put it up, I think two years ago while he was starting his uh, company, Hyperloop. Because when he was like, you know, this commute time is so much and we cannot spend all our days, you know, commuting. Because if you're living in LA uh, and like a few of my friends that live in that area, they just say that you, if you have to go to like, even to your work or internship, it takes you at least an hour or two of the day just to commute. Yeah.
2: Imagine exactly. you're
0: saving that one or two hour literally uh, sitting in front of a computer, even though you have all those different, you know, all those drawbacks that we ended up talking talking for like 20 to mm-hmm. 25 minutes even though we're saving so much time in the day out of 24 hours we are saving like at least two hours just for the sake of travel right mm-hmm. so that's one of one of the other pros even though this might be controversial people might be like emailing me after this like hey you know what this is so wrong you know you're just yes, by the you
2: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so but but again this is one of the points that i actually put it up in that conference and everyone ended up liking it. They were like, I mean, yeah, you, you, you sound right because uh, there should be like, you know, uh, once things go back to normal, there should be a very, very healthy balance between um, commuting to your work and working from home. Like, you know, industries yeah. and, and engineers, should, you know, all these different companies should make these uh take, you know, make these hybrid kind of model for their employees that they can just, you know, when they are when they have a lot of work or anything like that, which could be done from home, they could stay back at home, do the work, but just to break the monotonicity, every week, three days, they must yeah. come to the campus of their, you know, of their in of their building or whatever it is to their workplace. So I think this might this this pandemic, if you think about it, just not thinking from a perspective of remote learning or anything. I believe this pandemic also has taught us ways to be more efficient with our time adopting these hybrid strategies um, that can actually help in boosting you know productivity and uh, all those different ideas that we um, that we both geek about I guess
1: well I think an important thing to consider on that point mm-hmm. from an engineering perspective is think about the amount of CO2 and pollutants were cutting down on from commutes to and from campuses.
0: Yep, that's true. Just for anyone who doesn't knows in the yeah, sorry, go ahead. Just for anyone who doesn't knows in the audience, Sam is really concerned and uh, about nature and that's why he's trying to learn um, power systems as well to save the resources and eventually get a job at you know his dream job is working at tesla with the solar panels and all those cool stuff (laughs) just so that (laughs) everyone knows in the audience why sam is very concerned about it well we all should be concerned but sam is extra concerned and extra active about it
1: this in like 40 years time you know, you'll be thinking he was right all along. <laughs> but people True. even now are telling you that we're acting too late. But it's um, to keep on topic, it's important to think about the consequences of remote learning on the environment because we're cutting down CO2, greenhouse gas emissions, et cetera. True.
0: That's for sure. So you, yeah. You've got
1: right now, you think about our campus. You've got how many students are fully enrolled at
0: uh wait, uh in total? I think there yeah. are thirty-five thousand, thirty-five thousand so to forty thousand students. You know,
1: during the fall you've got thirty five thousand people that are not commuting to and from campus every single day. True. You know, of course quite a few of them are gonna live on campus, but yeah, you know, many of the others are gonna be in state students commuting from car, and that's a yeah. benefit for everybody, not just for students if True. we're polluting the environment
0: less. True, that's that's for sure. Yeah. So I think these, these points that we actually discussed about are pretty great. Um, If you don't have any other uh, additional comments, I think it would be a good remark to close out today's episode about uh, you know, our, our experience with remote learning and, you know, all these pros and cons that we eventually ended up thinking about. And I think it's, it's, it's really great for us to be aware of the cons, but it's as equally important to think about the pros that we actually ended up extracting out of uh, this remote learning phase because it's a, it's a basic human tendency to always think about the cons, you know, you just
1: to add to that because Uh we've all been forced into this situation against our will. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say, well, this is terrible. Look how bad this is and how many Mm -hmm. bad things there are. But, you've got to look for the silver linings when times get tough like this. And there's a lot of advantages that we've all experienced as well. You just need to look for them. I suppose that's what we've outlined for people today.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of the, yeah, that's actually the major thing about this podcast, and especially this being our first episode. uh, I thought it would be a good thing to bounce upon since we, uh, since USF, uh, University of South Florida, those of who you don't um, still got the, the, uh, the reduced version of its name. Uh, ha- it has declared that the classes will be fully in person from starting uh, first week of fall. And I think things are planning, they are planning things to return to normal. Knock on word that doesn't, you know, any new outbreak doesn't happen or so a new mutation doesn't open up, which actually is an issue with uh, all their planning. So I thought it would be a good thing to come up on air and talk about Sam and I usually talk about all these different things. Uh, usually when we are on call, that's why if you check our call logs, every call is at least an hour or 30, <laughs> 40, 30, 40 like minutes.
1: To brainstorm those <laughs> ideas.
0: Yeah. So I was like, um, actually a major thought, major thought for this pod, uh, for this podcast is to just have, you know, having a digital log of whatever we think about. And just to have, have this thing in audio version, I prefer it over having in written version because if you're writing, though it improves your writing skills and everything that goes along with it, it actually is very, very, you know, refined version of what your raw thoughts are, yeah, especially exactly. in, uh, yeah, in audio forms, You can just have all these different things that you're, that are literally coming into your mind and you can start saying them and it will get recorded and it will be logged up you know, someone right now. And, you know, after this thing goes up, um, I upload of it. Course,
1: and, yeah. Of course we will cut it and edit it, but we don't really have the technical skills to do that right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, true. I think, well, yeah. I agree with yeah, you. Definitely. Yeah. I think this kind of format adds another layer of sincerity to it, mm-hmm. which helps to communicate with other people. Hopefully, you yeah. know, they don't view listening to something like this as, oh, you know, That's a sense of refinement and these aren't ideas that everyday people think about. Certainly if you're trying to get an overview of what life was like online during a pandemic.
0: Yeah, true. We can actually look back to this and like say 40 years and we are like established in our careers. And uh, looking back at this video, we'll be like, Oh, those were, those were tough times. Honestly, you know what? We had some really good pros and cons, but we are yeah. still kids. <laughs> oh,
1: you never know; They may have been good times.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, actually. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, there might be a, uh, who knows, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens like a world war or anything like that happens or any natural calamity happens. And we'll be like, Oh, you know what, we were just thinking about so many cons we discussed for like straight 30 minutes discussing about cons of just remote learning. You guys, we didn't even had an idea what was coming in front of us. So, mm. you know, anything can happen being in a realistic world. But um, I think those will be my closing remarks for this podcast. Sam, if you have any ideas to, uh, to close the remarks go ahead uh no, otherwise I think yeah
1: we covered mm-hmm. everything quite comprehensively yeah um, i hope it gives an insight to people who were wondering what it was like to study online um and what that environment entails you know i'm sure True. if this is stored in a time capsule for some historians <laughs> hundreds of years from now, and they think, oh, yeah, how did students feel during the pandemic <laughs> 2020? <laughs> <This laughs> that would be a great resource for them Yeah, survive.
2: Yeah.
1: It's probably far more realistic for, uh, true. I hope, hope true. it adds a bit of, you know, um, and I hope it's good advice for some people yeah. who are considering going to university because you know, this doesn't just apply to a pandemic what we've mentioned mm-hmm. apply like to universities in the future perhaps the modern way to conduct education will be mm-hmm. completely online because it's more convenient you know true true you already see today you have at least in the uk you have what's mm-hmm. called an open university where you can take all your courses online mm-hmm. yeah and that's happening more and more often yeah so, Perhaps someone listening is thinking, oh, I would like to take a university degree online. Mm -hmm. This might be something that's informative for them.
0: True, that's for sure. And anyways, uh, we'll be closing this uh, episode for the Engineering Talk um, podcast. If you guys have any constructive comments, uh, we will have our new links in the description as soon as we set them up. Uh, We are in the process of putting up an Instagram account, probably, or a Twitter account as well and uh for me, you can reach me out on twitter with the handle of uh utkarsh misrat twelve which is at u t k a r s h m i s r a one two uh if you have any comments any any suggestions i'll be very happy to listen to that just d m me i always try posting trash on my uh, twitter but just don't get uh, off but just don't get uh, you know uh Swirled into them please feel free to reach me out there or if you're an instagram user um, reach me out at at umisra16 and uh, i'll be happy to listen what you guys got and uh, stay tuned for the next uh, episode in the series